Hi, ladies and gentlemen. This is David Benjamin, your host of the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast. Today, I have a guest on the show who is really inspirational to me for a few reasons. One of them, she's from the Detroit area, which is really cool to see people doing energy medicine work that come from the Detroit area because there's really not a lot of people doing energy medicine work that come from Michigan for some reason. And the other reason is because she wrote an incredible book called Body of Health, uh, which I absolutely loved. I started reading it and it's such a journey in a book that I was hooked and I just had to keep reading it and taking notes and and I just learned so much from it and it really just kind of talks about uh, intuition and energy medicine and really connects a lot of dots. It really paints a picture of understanding and connects a lot of things that uh, not a lot of other people are connecting or at least are connecting in the way that she does within the book which I really enjoyed. So today on the show we have Francesca McCartney. She has a PhD in energy medicine and since 1976 Dr. McCartney has worked in the field of intuition as a medical intuitive in an integrative health clinic a holistic health counselor, author, and educator. In 1984, Dr. McCartney founded the Academy of Intuition Medicine, the first California state licensed vocational program in the field of energy medicine that trains medical intuitives. In 2006, Francesca founded Energy Medicine University, which awards MS and PhDs in integrative holistic health. And you can learn more about her work at intuitionmedicine.org. And we'll mention that at the end as well as other resources as well. So, uh, Francesca, how are you doing today? Hello, David. Um, and hello to the lovely people in Michigan and my birthplace, Detroit. I shout out a hello to you. So I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much. Motan salutes you. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, so, you know, I just wanted to say again, I really enjoyed your book. It's, it's an incredible uh, it's just an incredible book, and I'd recommend all the listeners that are hearing this to grab a copy of the book. I will link it up in the show notes as well as on the blog. And the first question I want to ask you is uh, a question I have every guest share on the show, their, their, their story kind of. And, and that question is, how did you initially get into holistic work and energy medicine? Well, it was for myself first, trying to search for understanding of why I was different from other people, why I was such a highly sensitive person when most people around me did not appear to be, or did I experience them as being as sensitive as I was. And this is growing up from a young age, you know, onward through my 20s. And as I began to search for those answers, I realized that as a person, I felt fell into a category that is now labeled as being a highly sensitive person or a person who has developed intuitive perceptions outside of the range of the five, I hate to use the word normal, but that's usually how people say no, the normal five or the usual five senses. Mm -hmm. So I began to study alternative personalities, alternative and holistic medicine and began to focus on how to become healthier myself because for my, my uh, dictum, my personal dictum and, and the mantra that I give my students is physician heal thyself first before you endeavor to take care of or self-care other people. So I went through a decade of training and uh, participating in self-healing pro processes and workshops and such to develop 
then a curriculum that I could teach other people on how they could use their sensitivities, their intuition in healing themselves. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So, uh, and just real quick too, there's a little bit, it sounds like there's, it sounds like you're close to the mic and far away, so I don't know, uh, just, I'll just let you know. Um, but so initially was there a, a something, a, a health condition or something that you dealt with, or was it just kind of a natural, uh, culmination from feeling, being sensitive to energy that led you into this? It was a, a natural culmination. Uh, I, I just always felt different. And the difference was that I was more highly sensitive in feeling what other people were feeling. And there's a name for that. It's called clairsentience. And I could also have visual perceptions of what people were talking about. I could hear things that people, and that's called uh, clairvoyance. And I could hear things that people were thinking that's called telepathy. And realized that not many people or not most of the people that I encountered had those types of senses developed. So Mm -hmm. because of that, I felt like an outsider. I felt different, but I felt I was okay. And I wanted to put myself in, in an understanding category so that I could explain to other people who were like me that it is a normal condition and it's not something that is uh, an emotionally um, uh, disturbing condition because often people who are clairvoyant, clairsentient, highly telepathic and get messages that do not come through the regular five senses think that there is something wrong with them mentally and they often go to therapists, psychiatrists, and those types of medical professions don't have the training to be able to diagnose highly sensitive people. And often people who are in that category get drugged in order to um, slow down or close down what I perceive as a natural human sense. Mm-hmm. Because it's different than most of the population around them. Mm-hmm. So, so beyond the five senses, and, and you, you definitely cover this really well in your book, the, uh, the different forms of intuition. What other forms of intuition are there beyond the five senses? And you mentioned a few that people can experience. Yes, there are uh, actually quite a few uh, subtle, subtle senses, as, as uh, I like to call it, or ways that you can experience uh, your intuition. So I mentioned clairvoyance, there's clairaudience, which is hearing, clear hearing, um, clairalience, which is smelling, and that is like, uh, here's, the, here's the typical story when I list these different intuitive skills in my classroom, and I ask students, have you ever had a clairalience uh, experience? smelling something that wasn't there. Most often students say, oh yes, I smell my dead grandmother's perfume and I know that her presence is here. Then there's uh, uh, knowing, inner voice, uh, telepathy, psychometry, lucid dreams, out-of-body experiences, abstract intuition, precognition, remote viewing, touch healing, visions, divine guidance, mediumship, telekinesis, past life recall, synchronicity, 
deja vu. Mm-hmm. So quite a list. <laughs> quite a list. And actually, there's more, but I'll stop there. Okay. <laughs> Those are the primary ones that are discussed in um, in in our classroom. Right, and, and that's a that's a lot to work with beyond the five senses for someone that is yes. just learning about this information. Yes. Uh, so, and let me add something, David. Mm-hmm. The um, five senses stuck in our vernacular by way of Aristotle who was the first person to declare in in Western written tradition that humans had five senses. So it stuck, it started there and it stuck there and no one has really updated that since Aristotle. Mm-hmm. However, if you, if you do um, reading, sci- science reading, there is a good body of information that has been coming out declaring that humans have at least 21 senses. 21. Wow. Oh, turning what Aristotle said. Yes. Wow. That's legally uh, allowed to drink. That's the amount of senses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that's incredible. That's a lot. Uh, 21. Wow. So in, in your work, the work that you do and the work that you teach people, intuition is a very core fundamental part of, of both, like you said, helping the individual heal and then helping them uh, helping the physician heal, but then helping them heal, uh, facilitate in the healing of others as well. So how and why are developing intuitive skills beneficial for our own health and well-being? Well, first of all, our, as human beings, and I'm going to, I'm going to put this in, in our Western culture, we are given, uh, according to my per- observation, a very short list of choices as human beings. And that list of choices is mostly determined by the mental and psychological and spiritual culture that we grow up within. So in teaching people that the list for making choices as a human being is larger than what you are given via your culture, and you can expand that list of choices by developing more of your humanness and developing more of your humanness you can tap into up to 21 ways of making different choices using 21 different sense perceptions via your intuition Hmm. so it's a menu of you know it's choices making choices most people make choices based on their experience and what, what I endeavor to do as a, a, a teacher of intuition is say, before you make a decision based on your five senses, there are more ways that you can perceive making that choice if you tap into a wider perspective of understanding, mm-hmm. that being your intuition. Mm-hmm. And, and you think just having that ability even if it's being able to access, uh, you know, five or six or seven more uh, senses uh, allows you to make better decisions that help guide your life better and, and really just not have as much struggle and suffering because you're making decisions from a, a place of more depth and, and spiritual guidance. Exactly. Very cool. That's that. Exactly. It's extremely, <laughs> extremely empowering. May I give you an example? Yes, I'd love that. Recently, uh, a student in, the, in, in my school had a 
diagnosis by a medical doctor, allopathic doctor, that she had uh, to have her, I believe it was her uh, thyroid um, removed, thyroid gland removed, something of that sort. And she said she was sitting in the office with this doctor. He was giving her his analysis based on some readings that he had from taking her blood and other diagnostic assessments that he did. And she's sitting there trusting her intuition, trusting her clairsentience, how her body feels, trusting her knowing and listening to her inner voice. And all of those sense perceptions kept saying, this doctor is wrong. There's nothing that is damaged in your, in your thyroid gland and so on. So anyway, she decided to go to someone else, another doctor, and have other tests done. And the other tests showed what her intuition told her was correct. And she went back and told this doctor, and he didn't want to have anything to do with her. He would not respond. So anyway, she didn't have to go on thyroid medication. She didn't have to go through surgery. However, if she would have just trusted what this first doctor had told her, she would have uh, caused un un undue damage to her physical body. Mm -hmm. hmm. Is there, and this is kind of a, I guess, a tangent or a side note. Uh, in my life, there's been times where I've had a really strong gut feeling about something. Uh, I'm, I would assume there's a, there's a, that's a sense, correct? Clairsentience is gut feeling, yes. Clairsentience, okay. Uh, and it, for me specifically, and I'm sure other people as well, and, and you know, like you mentioned, the, you know, smelling something uh, that wasn't there, you know, whether it be food or, or whatever it may be, uh, having that, those, those senses, is that something that we, for example, for me, it seems like some of these things are somewhat, you know, natural. I just feel them at certain times in my life when I need to make uh, a big decision or something like that. Uh, so is there, are we kind of, do we have a sort of natural capability or is it something that we need to really kind of practice and habitually create in our lives to develop these, these, uh, these extra senses? I work with intuition as a natural given human sense. However, if a person does not listen to their in intuition or their intuitive senses, then they will become a very quiet, almost silent part of their uh, sense awareness. So it's, it's three steps. It's listening to the gut feeling, the knowing, the abstract intuition, the precognition, listening to it, giving it credence that actually strengthens the signals and they become stronger. They become uh, more wi wired in, if you will, to your physiology because there is a, a physiological connection between our, all our senses and how the nervous system signals and reports that information. So it's listening to your intuitive sense, trusting it. That's the next step. You have to trust it. And then the third step is following through. And the more you listen to, trust, and then follow through, the stronger and clearer those signals become. They become a more naturally wired in part of your physiology and you uh, operate within that realm more organically and more naturally. Mm -hmm. And there's less resistance, I'm sure, too. Less resistance, yes. Mm -hmm. 
it, within that, that that's interesting. Get you know, giving your giving yourself space, listening, trusting, and following through. What because at one point in my life there was a very str- I had a very strong gut feeling about something, and I went against my gut feeling, and I I knew looking back I should have followed my gut feeling. And it was definitely a learning experience for me to listen to my body and listen to my physiology and what and what what was the best decision for me at that time. Uh, so, but there's something you know there's a resistance there that caused me to go in the other direction. So, what different things, whether it's I don't know people or or anything, what what inhibits people? from expressing their senses on a, on a new level or just expressing new senses overall? The mind and the, and the an, analytical perceptions are the number one obstacle for listening to your intuition and for trusting your intuition. The more you are trained to primarily think in a compartmentalized analytical way about yourself and the world around you, the least, uh, the, the less you are able to easily access your intuition. So most societies in the Western world who train people and their living mores are uh, a- academic, intellectual, that's where everyone is striving, have a much more difficult time trusting their intuition than, say, cultures that do not stress uh, mental, analytical, academic. Most indigenous peoples, for example, go for intuition and subtle senses to make decisions and understand the world around them before they will put it in a box and compartmentalize it, test it scientifically to make a decision. Hmm. Interesting. That's a great point. And you mentioned earlier that physiology has something to do with it and well, and I want to briefly talk about the chakras and how how do they play a role in all of this? The uh, that chakra system comes from uh, traditional Chinese medicine, and the ancient art of diagnosing and healing the human body and the human mind and spirit through the chakra system was first created in uh, probably 3,000 years ago in traditional Chinese medicine by physicians who were clairvoyant, had clear sight and clear vision, and would simply sit with their patients and have visions about perceptions, knowing, gut feelings, clairsentience about the condition, the health condition of their patients. And over many uh, uh, er eras of Chinese physicians, that information was collated into a doctrine that included the acupuncture system and the points where there is high energy circulating called the chakras and how when those chakra points in the meridians of the human body get blocked there is a cause for disease or unwellness. And when those acupuncture points or chakras are open, functioning, and the life force energy is fluidly moving through them, that sustains well-being and health. And that, that's where the, the, the chakra 
system uh, methodology started from. In uh, Vedic medicine, there is also an understanding of the chakra system, which is uh, delivered pretty much in the same way that chi uh, ancient Chinese medicine delivers it. Mm -hmm. So is there a, understanding how energy flows within the chakras and the meridians makes a lot of sense because our our bodies need to flow and and you know circulate and spread uh, transfer minerals and nutrients throughout the whole body but is there a is there a connection with our intuitive capabilities and the and the different chakras whether it be the heart chakra or any other chakra yes each of the seven main chakras which are placed along the spine have a uh, singular function and that uh, that function is like a computer program so each chakra has a specific computer program for sending and receiving a particular area of energy and information for example the fourth chakra or the heart chakra is where feelings of love compassion caring are picked up and also where uh, the center from which they are sent to other people okay so it's it's a so essentially the each each chakra sends and receives information beyond yep. beyond uh, physical nutrients or, or whatever yes okay. and, and the way that operates with the physiology is and this is the standard model in energy medicine is that when I'll use the example of love when someone is communicating I love you to you that feeling that vibration which uh, I'm going to say probably most everybody who's listening to your show has experience the feeling of love and that feeling is tangible and it is if you focus on your physical body the location where you first initially feel love being sent to you is in the middle of your chest at your sternum where your heart chakra is so love is accepted and felt into heart chakra the heart chakra then begins to resonate and there's actually a movement in these chakras there's a whole circulation pattern energetically that chakra will begin to circulate that resonance that flow it will then stimulate your um, uh, your uh, uh, thymus, um, your thymus gland mm -hmm. heart chakras connected to the um, the thymus gland the thymus gland will then begin to secrete hormones. Hormones send messages of mood to, throughout the body and send biochemical signals through the physiology which will change the way you feel in your body and will signal and translate to your whole body, oh, this person's sending me love signals. Mm -hmm. Wow. So it just picks up on that. So it can go in the other direction as well, though, I would assume. Yes, correct. Okay. So picking up on someone's energy, if they have negative intentions or anything like that, it's... Yes. Okay, so let's follow that theme. So, for instance, if someone is sending you a message, I hate you, opposite of love, mm -hmm. and you pick it up, 
in your heart chakra. That is sending a lowered distress signal, signaling your thymus of a negative emotion, a debilitating emotion, your sense of self and self-esteem lowers. That signals through your nervous system and your physiology. And in, in the uh, diagnostics of energy medicine, that's a cause of illness for you, for the physical body, for your sense of self, for your psychological uh, profile. Mm -hmm. So that's how energy medicine maps out health and, um, and illness on a subtle energy level. Mm-hmm. So developing and, and opening your chakra system as well as become, becoming more intuitive uh, and uh, really I think it's, it's the way I see it is kind of like it's like a game to some degree it's like it's you're unlocking your human potential uh, and doing that in doing that it allows you to be you know obviously more intuitive but make better decisions so uh, really over time it helps you protect yourself better as well as uh, enhance and, and, and optimize your, your experience, your life and living experience, your health, your wellness, and all these different things. Uh, so there's definitely a lot of value in, in doing that and in practicing uh, the different things you talk about and the work that you do in your book and, uh, you know, just making that part of your life, you know, not just like oh this is cool and interesting but really making it a part of your life and practicing whatever it may be to continuously enhance each of these areas you know opening the chakra system enhancing intuition and kind of unlocking new intuitive capabilities so with that being said there's there's a lot of different practices that you talk about in your book and in the work that you do that helps people to disconnect and disassociate from their old self or their their self their analytical compartmentalized self as you put it which is is a great way of putting it uh how can someone start walking down that path in a way that has the most ease and the less resistance so that they can begin to see some type of positive feedback to continue moving forward the number one way is to practice some form of meditation because meditation at its core brings you into a quiet still space and in order to unlock from pro, a programmed way of living and opening up to potential possibilities you need to unlock from past compartmentalized thinking and way of feeling and most meditations at their core train you to be in a quiet still place where you're not thinking all the time where you're not mentalizing all the time and you're simply allowing a presence of yourself to be shown so it's quiet still place is the first step hmm. so is there a specific form of meditation that you practice or recommend well, I've been meditating since I was 21. Uh, I'm 67 now. And I've done probably four, five, six, seven different types of meditation practices. And from those, I, I have created what I like to call a, uh, a Western style of meditation 
that is most palatable to the types of people who come into my academy and my classroom. And it's, it's a very simple meditation that can be used as a foundation for developing intuition, uh, bringing in higher sense perceptions so that you can uh, take care of your own health by using your intuitive uh, uh, skills and so on. And it, it does start with sitting, closing your eyes, listening to your breath. That step is really very foundational, just closing your eyes, listening to your breath, and using your breath as a way to focus on being inside your body, being present with yourself, cultivating a, a self-honoring relationship with who you are. And from there, the next step is to pay attention to your physical body and allow your physical body to participate in a quiet meditative state with you. Our bodies are noisy. H have you noticed how if you really start paying attention to your biology and your, your physical systems, how, how noisy they are? There have yeah. been a lot, you know, lots of tests sure. done on measuring the noise in the digestive system, right. the heart's <laughs> pumping, and the brain, you know, wildly making staccato noises. Mm. Well, the physical body also can move into a quiet meditative state, and that is necessary in order for you to achieve that state of being in uh, health aware so that you can transition into being your own best physician, quieting your mind, quieting your body. So the methodology for quieting your body, uh, I have several different techniques, but the primary one is to, to ground your body to the earth, to drop your body's energy, your emotional, physical energy by either visualization, affirmation, intention. And I, I talk about this in my book and in my CDs, but it's dropping your body low to the earth and rooting your body into the earth and it's imagination and your imagination is a portal to your intuition because it's the bridge language it's the metaphor language that connects the mind to the spirit and to your intuition and grounding your body to the earth so those are the first two steps and then from there it's largely listening going into inquiry and then there's lots of other meditative tools that can be connected to that for health and well-being. Very cool. Very interesting. I, I like what you said about imagination. Uh, specifically, imagination is the portal to, can you say it one more time and, and, and maybe speak on that a little bit? Yes. I'm, I'm really big on endorsing uh, the use of meditation in, uh, I mean, uh, imagination in and, and actually in meditation and in health practices, mm -hmm. uh, imagination links us to our intuition. Imagination is the bridge language that opens up the portal for intuition. Intuition is an, an abstract, subtle human sense. I'm, I'm going to guess that most every people have imagined something somewhere at some time. So understand what imagination is. And ima imagination is not mental thought. Ima um, mental thought is based on memory. Everything else is imagination. And imagination holds the possibility. And to open up 
and utilize your intuition, it, it is a walk into the possibility of allowing your, your uh, experience of the subtle world around you to be included in your daily experience. Very interesting. I, I love that, and I think it's so valuable. Uh, added on on top of meditation, you know, including you know both of those practices. So, is there any type of imagination exercises or or practices that you engage in? Oh, a lot of them in my classroom and and in the training that I do with students. Um, one of them is uh, a primary is once you are in quiet meditation space, your body is grounded. I'm really big on including physical, emotional body in the meditation practice. Otherwise, you're just, otherwise you're not including your health. And to me, health is, 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 is the basis of, of what I do in, in my uh, teaching and in my training. I'm teaching people how to live life and to be alive in a, in a healthier way and to tap into the potential and the tools to do that. Uh, so quieting the body, grounding the body into the earth, and then the next step is to use your creative imagination and find a, a scene from nature or your favorite place where you hang out by yourself or use your uh, interior design skills and inside your head, in the middle of your head, create a personal, private meditation sanctuary. Visualize it. Imagine it. Uh, fill it up with what, whatever suits you to create your personal sanctuary space. And then feel yourself, see yourself, or in, just simply know that you as a spirit are seated in your inner sacred meditation space. So it's a location. Mm -hmm. Meditation is a location. And in your physical body, that location is in what I call your meditation sanctuary. And your meditation sanctuary is located in the center point of your head around your, um, around your, uh, in between your pineal and, and your pituitary gland. Uh, mm -hmm. Have you seen the chart in my book, Body of Health? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in that very specific area, it's not within those glands, but it's in that central uh, uh, area. Kind of right. Yeah, and in that region is actually a connection, again, to the physiology. When you have heightened perception and attention located in that area that I call the meditation sanctuary, it begins to induce an altered state of consciousness that delivers you to a wider perceptual state as a human. So what else does that, David? Uh, drugs. <laughs> exactly. Hallucinogenics. Right, was, yeah, yeah. LSD, ayahuasca, ecstasy, yeah. Yeah, ayahuasca, all that stuff will take you there. So what I'm prescribing is here's a way to do it without taking drugs. Right. And it's, it's, it's something you can do anytime, anywhere without paying money or potentially getting locked up, which is really nice. Yes. So nice bonus. <laughs> um, that's cool. That's great. So 
in, in, and I want to go back to the, to the meditation uh, aspect for a little bit. You talked about how when you meditate, just quieting your mind first and then quieting your body. And that's, I think that's a great point, quieting your body, because there are times where I'm, I'm like, why is my stomach so, it's like there's a rock band down there. I don't know what's going on. And I'm, it's, it's obviously attempting to digest food, but, uh, and, and I eat really healthy. So I don't, I don't know, just some, you know, I chew too fast or whatever it may be, or I don't chew enough. Uh, but that's a great point in quieting the body and quieting, you know, the mind, both of those things. Uh, and what you're doing, it sounds like what you're describing is you're quieting your senses, your, your quote unquote five senses, you know, the senses that we use on a daily basis, most the senses that are the most active. And by doing so, you create space within your mind body to express the, the, the other senses that you don't practice or engage in in as often so uh, is it is it safe to say that the more you meditate and the more you in the more you do these things the more you kind of unlock these intuitive senses and capabilities or is can it be something where it just becomes kind of a runaround where you're you're meditating a lot and you're just like you know i don't really feel anything and what has been your experience with that well you really eloquently stated that quieting your five senses, and that's what I described before the meditation practice, is the way to unlock all your other senses. And that's, that's what occurs. When you go into meditation, quiet your body, quiet your mind, still the usual five senses, then that gives you the opportunity to develop all of your other senses. I think we as human beings, for the, us Western human beings, have been so limited in our choices of how to live in our body and how to operate. It's like we, we didn't get the handbook on human potential. Right. And we're, you know, we're searching for more ways for well-being, health, and, and happiness. And meditation is a way to do it because, as you said, you need to quiet your five senses first so that you can pay attention to all the other subtle senses, which gives you portals to many other ways of perceiving the world around you and taking care of yourself and taking care of your health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. And I, and I just thought of a great acronym to remind people of this. Uh, it's SIT, S-I-T, Sensual Inversion Therapy, to just turn off a portion of your senses through meditation and then allow it's kind of like flipping a switch it turns off you know one portion of your senses and unlocks and opens others so it's just a it's a cool acronym sit sensual i like that <laughs> I i'm too, very much into acronyms i like that it's a good way to remember uh to remember that and, and just it's a nice reminder uh, can we go back to your stomach and digesting yeah of course i would love that i have another suggestion for you it may not be that you have poor digestion and it may not be as you said you eat good foods why is your stomach always you know rumbling it may be that it's your third chakra talking to you because of the uh, third chakra is connected to digestion and connected to your stomach and and that middle central digestive organ organs in in your body so your third chakra is, is uh, the theme of the third chakra is personal power, the expression of personal power, living personal power. Uh, it's also vitali uh, physical vitality, 
on a biological sense, but on a, a, a human potential sense, it's expressing your personal power. So you may in meditation want to do some introspection and, and inquiry with your third chakra asking questions about your expressions of personal power in the world. That may stop your stomach from rumbling. Very cool. Thank you for that information. I will definitely practice and, and engage in that. And I think I think that will not only help me, but a lot of people, because I'm, I know I'm not the only one whose stomach rumbles every, uh, <laughs> every once in a while. I, I even remember even in, uh, in, in high school, in, in middle school, my I'd be in class and my stomach would be making noises. And I'm like, I hope no one hears this, you know. And uh, so and, and I, I can definitely I can. I, that makes a lot of sense, actually, especially with my middle school and high school experience as a whole at large. So, well, like, see, you've picked up on another um, theme that I have my students investigate, and that's life themes. Mm -hmm. And it it sounds like apparently one of your life themes is focusing on your third chakra, since from you know young years up till now in adulthood, that has been a central area of your body speaking to me. It's somatic language. If you listen to the language of your body, it, it almost always connects into the more subtle aspects, maybe the spiritual aspects, the emotional aspects of, of who you are. So that very well may be a life theme that you're focused on to understand and explore and uh, tap into more of the potential of your power. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Very, very interesting. And that's something... <laughs> I'm going to be doing a lot of uh, personal digging and uh, and uh, rebuilding, as always, or building, I guess. Uh, so thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, I want to talk a bit about, you mentioned grounding and how it's an imagine, it's, it's, it's a practice of imagination. But you also mentioned in your book, uh, you know, actually physically grounding, connecting to Mother Earth. And you you really give a really great perspective on the different aspects of being grounded uh can you talk more about that and how being grounded helps to kind of wire your nervous system or circuits to uh intuitively explore further one of the primary considerations for a person to think about in relationship to grounding the body to the earth is using the metaphor of any electrical device. Electrical devices, in order to operate properly, need a grounding circuit. And the body is also a bioelectrical mechanism, operating on biophotons, bioelectricity, uh, chem chemical uh, interactions that create electrical pulses. So our bodies are a very electrical machine, if you will. And we therefore need to have a semblance of the operator, us as spirits, in our body to participate in uh, operating wholly and with intelligence the body's health and welfare. And rounding the body to the earth is what induces that uh, uh, self-awareness and the ability to bring clarity to what it is you are experiencing as a human being. Just like a electrical device, a physical electrical device doesn't operate unless it has a grounding circuit. And if it doesn't have a grounding circuit and you 
plug it into the wall socket, deliver electricity through it, it's going to implode and not operate correctly. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's, a, that's a metaphor for how I visualize uh, the importance of the body being grounded to the earth. Also, grounding is analogous with you being connected with the flow of nature, physical nature, earth, air, fire, water, trees, hug a tree. Been some recent science research that hugging a tree is good for your health. Hard science. Hmm. What, 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 was the, what was the findings on that? I don't Just- remember. I can email it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, 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 I think it was in uh, Scientific America or something of that mm-hmm. sort. Very cool, and, and that does make sense. You know, just being connected to the Earth's innate intelligence. It's it's like being in the in the electromagnetic frequency world, being connected to Wi-Fi. You're connected to all this information on the World Wide Web. Well, that's that translates you know back into the earth's and intelligence and and i think it's a great point to bringing the elements the elemental play if you will into it because we have these elements within ourselves as well so it just makes sense that having more synergy there creates a stronger connection a more intuitive connection uh in in that process uh and and for everyone listening she uh francesca really talks about grounding and earthing in her book very well the the uh the 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 big picture of that because it's more you know like i said there's the being and feeling grounded in your imagination but then also being uh, physically grounded and if you can do both of those it empowers you even more and you don't necessarily need to be physically grounded to ground yourself so that's something to keep in mind because sometimes we can't you know physically ground ourselves that easily uh so there's so many (laughs) incredible things david may i tell you a story about how i personally discovered the uh health benefits of grounding to the earth yeah for sure i'd love that okay in my 20s i was a um, montessori teacher element uh preschool teacher young kids Mm -hmm. and i i'd be with 24 very energetic uh children uh all day i'd come home and this is me as a new te- uh, new teacher of young children and i would just be anxious wired couldn't sleep uh felt frenetic energy running through my body and this happened you know day after day week after week i came home uh one night exhausted and threw myself on the ground on the grass in my backyard and just uh laid my arms out just you know kind of gave it all up and all of a sudden when i did that i i got out of resistance to the uh anxiety energy that i picked up from all the children that was running through my nervous system all of a sudden i felt like i was being sucked into the earth actually i was feeling the force of gravity i didn't define it as that at that moment and i felt as though all of the anxiety that had been running through my nervous system was being drained out into the physical earth and I then after about 10 minutes of that I felt rested and relieved and Mm -hmm. to me that was my first visceral experience of full body grounding to the earth Mm -hmm. yeah there's uh, I like the there's I want to say it was David Wolf that said when he 
Uh, the example he uses is when you go to a beach, you take off your shoes and you walk in the sand and you just feel relaxed and and you just feel great. And I and I'm sure there's I'm sure everyone listening has had some experience where they're barefoot at the park or at the beach or swimming in the ocean or a lake, and they just feel that that you know that that deep kind of as you described uh, you know kind of releasing all that anxiety and tension. Uh, and and it is interesting though because there's a lot of there's a lot to this and I, I got I got an uh, an earthing kit and the first time I used it for the first week I had a few nosebleeds and I didn't know why I didn't understand and that was the only thing I I had changed and I'm not sure I'm really not sure whether it was uh, I, my opinion was is because my blood was becoming thinner because when you ground yourself your blood actually becomes thinner is my understanding. Yes. Uh, so I think that may have been th- that why that happened and my body was just transitioning to that and adjusting. Uh, so that was kind of interesting and weird for me. But then I, you know, oh, okay, this, this makes a little more sense. Uh, yeah, I would concur with that about the blood mm-hmm. thinning. Um, the uh, earthing products have been researched by one of my colleagues, uh, James Oshman. Do you know James o- uh, James Oshman's work? He wrote the book called... Uh, energy medicine and therapeutics and he is one of our professors in our energy medicine university and he did all the hardcore research on all the earthing products Mm -hmm. that are now available and one of the things that Jim said which when I read this I went oh this makes so much sense is that when you when your body is connected to the uh, flow upward surge of the resonance of the physical earth because our physical earth is emitting uh, an electromagnetic field it's called the schumann resonance mm-hmm. and it it, uh, it it resonates at 7.83 hertz and it's continually resonating and bathing all living bodies in that field i like to call that the heartbeat of mother earth when your feet are on sand earth you take your shoes off what's actually occurring physiologically in that connection with the earth is the resonance from the earth 7.83 resonant pulses are being transmitted up your feet and there's chakras in your feet up your feet chakras and that resonance is vibrating through your nervous system and it's changing the biochemistry and the uh, pulse within your system to meet and match Schumann resonance, which is the natural uh, resonance of the physical earth. When that occurs, what is being delivered to your body is natural antioxidants. That's Jim Oshman's research. When I read that, I went, oh my gosh, that really answers a lot of questions. So you don't have to take antioxidants in a bottle, just take your shoes off, walk on the beach. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's interesting. Yeah, the, I've heard of Schumann's, Schumann or Schumann's, which one is it? Yeah, Schumann Resonance. Schumann Resonance, yeah, I've heard of that before, but I didn't realize the, the grounding connection. That's really interesting. Uh, and and that, that I'm glad you mentioned that too, because that brings me to uh, a question about, uh, you talked about uh, light therapy or sun therapy, heliotherapy within your book, and that the sun uh, bathes the earth at 52 to 78 uh, gigahertz. So, uh, and then human human DNA resonates 
at that same level. So uh, can you talk a bit about uh, heliotherapy? Sorry for the train in the background. Uh, <laughs> heliotherapy, light therapy, and, and how that works. Don't you think that's a pretty cool uh, connection as well? The train? The earth heli the, no, well, <laughs> yeah, the train is cool too. Um, it's rustic. The earth <laughs> And how it directly heals our body and the sun, right. how it directly heals our body. Right. And our body is, up, uh, and in, our physiology is really interconnected to all the nature forces, the sun, the earth, the moon, mm -hmm. the wind. And we, we're just kind of parsing these pieces apart in this conversation right now. It's seeing how they do connect to the nature forces around us and how align, aligning ourselves with nature increases our sense of health and well-being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And, that's and it's back to what most uh, uh, indigenous people talk about is, you know, na natural healing. Na yeah. Natural healing is nature healing, aligning yourself with nature. Right. Yeah, great point. And that's, that's beautifully played. And that's so important, I think, because that's a lot of the work that I do is connecting the the earth and nature and, and even just being conscious about how we live, living eco-friendly and, and, you know, being, understanding this, this earth and this beautiful place that we live, this Eden that we live in, I think is so valuable and, and, and aligning with that makes a lot of sense. And what is interesting too, I just kind of thought of this, the, you know, like you said, the earth resonates at 7.83 gigahertz and the sun, the range of the sun goes up to 78 gigahertz. So it's, pretty much exactly 10x the earth which is kind of interesting i don't i don't know if there's a connection there maybe maybe i mean there had, there's always a connection to everything but it's just kind of interesting uh so as far as is uh you know heliotherapy and, and light therapy uh you also talked about different colors and how different colors have different you know frequencies and, and resonance uh as well is there is there anything you do with different like color light therapy as well to increase and enhance uh, intuitive capabilities? Well, I uh, worked in a uh, uh, alternative uh, medical clinic in the seventies as a medical intuitive and a meditation instructor, and within that clinic, I was trained in light therapy uh, using different gel uh, uh, gel color strips over lights and people would lay on a table and we'd set up these different lights over their body especially in the areas where the, the organs were diseased and uh, there was a whole formula to which co which color light you would use in this type of therapy for which organ being diseased and so on in the training that I do in the Academy I train people to test for themselves what color, colors, and what effects those particular colors have on their mood, uh, their sense of self. If a color, when they're visualizing it, they're imagining it flowing through their body, if it feels good, if it doesn't feel good, if it, if it creates elation, if it speeds up or slows down their system. Most sensitive bodies, most bodies, when you're grounded and in a quiet space, you can do a color imagery meditation just simply visualizing like blue moving through your whole body and then pay attention to how you feel then imagining green and imagining red and each color one after another and paying attention to how you feel that's the way that you create your own 
color health therapy and then you can for example most people report when they uh, meditate and visualize a, a bright red like a candy apple red uh, flowing through their entire body they feel hyper or speeded up or awake or anxious so the re uh, the color healing remedy for that person would be when you're tired you then do a quick visualization or long visualization on generating uh, a candy apple red through your body and that will begin to send signals to your body to speed up to wake up so mm -hmm. i go through a whole color uh, kind of color wheel meditation with my students so that each student can make a determination for themselves as to which color has certain effects, health and healing effects on their body and uh, how to then apply them. Mo most people fall within a, a particular range of experiencing the same thing, but then, you know, there are certain people who have differences in those ranges. Mm. In your experience, have you seen that people have typically the same sort of feeling or association with a particular color or is it yes 90% of the people in my classroom report the same uh, definitions if you will and same experiences interesting interesting do you think that ties into because this is something obviously uh, I, I believe uh, I forget which uh, philosophy or form of medicine teaches you know well I guess it's kind of just nutrition in general to some degree but I think it has roots somewhere in the east but Eating, you know, different colors—yellow, green, red, etc. Uh, do you think that has some sort of aspect on it, on, on our health as well, and, and putting our body and our mood and our nervous system into a certain state? I do. That's you know what's often called the rainbow diet. Mm -hmm. yeah. And one thing that I find with that to bring it down to a, a practical decision making about diet is when you get into a space where you're listening to your intuition and trusting it, you can go into meditation and you can ask your body, what color foods should I eat today? I do that every day. When my children were growing up, we practiced a rainbow, a rainbow food diet. And we had a chart on the refrigerator where we had all these different colors. And every time uh, one of my children would eat us like a red cabbage, they'd mark for the day that they ate a red food oh, or a, cool. you know green kale they'd mark green and they try to get as many colors rainbow colors yeah. into their body every day that's such a cool idea huh i hope i hope the parents listening use that that's really cool i, I need to use that I don't, <laughs> i'm not a parent but hey it's it's a great <laughs> idea uh very cool very interesting stuff very very uh Great idea. I love that. Uh, so, you know, we talked a bit about uh, light therapy, color therapy, and, and, and uh, kind of the connection of those uh, in, in health and healing and, and exploring intuition further. Uh, one of the questions that I really ask all the guests I have on the show as well, and this is to kind of, I guess I would say, extract the highest value that you have to offer to the world uh, if, you know, if, if this was the message you wanted the world to hear uh, in life or in healing and health and intuition, uh, what are the top three uh, practices or habits that would, in, would inspire and ignite someone to live uh, what I call a healthy, wild, and free life? Practice meditation. Quiet your mind. And listen to your intuition listen to intuition awesome 
so valuable. And I would encourage all the listeners to, you know, like I said, buy her book, Body of Health. It's incredible. Uh, it'll open up so many ideas and, and creativity. And I, it, it really sparked my imagination as well to, to do more and connect more and, and uh, just explore explore you know explore my my intuition further um because i really do kind of see it as a game of sorts as something that you can have fun with and you can enjoy and uh you know even the other day i was i was watching this uh, uh ziggy marley uh, uh thing on, on on netflix and i was eating dinner and i was like i wonder how far it is in it and, I, and in my mind just 17 minutes i paused it and i looked and it's 17 minutes and i was like this is becoming somewhat of a normal thing for me. And it's, it's just, it doesn't really, it doesn't add value to that. That doesn't really add value to my life part per se, you know, rate that in there necessarily. But then again, I guess I wouldn't have to pause it and, and actually check, but, uh, but it has so much value in life. And I think the work that you do really adds so much value to, to people's lives that engage in it and use it. And, uh, I, I really thank you. I honor you and I appreciate the work that you do. And, uh, if, if I can ever help with anything or, you know, in, in any way, please let me know. Um, so, uh, with that being said, where can our listeners find, uh, your work online? Uh, what books or programs can they, uh, just, uh, buy to learn more? Yes, we are explorers of life, and I, I appreciate everything that you do, David, contributing to this, uh, this path. My website is intuitionmedicine.org, and that opens up to the two schools that I founded, the Academy of Intuition Medicine. You can click on that, and it will lead you to the information on the programs that we teach here in California for developing your intuition, for training people in a career as medical intuitives, and simply training people who would like to use more of their potential as a uh, highly sensitive person or as an intuitive person in their life. And my books, I I've written two books, Body of Health and uh, Intuition Medicine, The Science of Energy, and I have an eight CD set that has lectures and and guided meditations. It's eight hours. And then uh, you can click on to Energy Medicine University, which is our fully distance degree granting school. We have students globally all over the world, and we have uh, the most amazing, I don't know if you've looked at it, David, but most amazing professors who are in the field of energy medicine as teachers in that school. So I would love to have your listeners uh, connect with us um, via email and our website. Very cool. And I, I, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I definitely will now. And where are you located in California in case someone is in the area and wants to, uh, to, to join one of your classes? In South Salido, California, and that's right across the Golden Gate Bridge. So if you're in San Francisco and you come across the Golden Gate Bridge, at the end of the Golden Gate Bridge is the small town of South Salido. Very cool. Awesome. Thank you once again so much for your time. I appreciate it. And keep doing the work that you're doing. Be well, David. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great night. Bye. Bye.